Let's open up the Word of God, and we're going to talk about serving the Lord uh, this morning. And uh, looking in Mark chapter 9, and we're going to begin reading in verse 30 here in, in, in just a moment. Uh, and here we are as we're, we're, we're following along uh, the life of Jesus and His ministry. And really, you know, uh, we're over halfway through the book of Mark, uh, but we're fixing to move into the last week uh, of Jesus' life. And there's some things that he's teaching the disciples, things that he's teaching us. These are, are all, everything that Jesus says is important. But especially as we move closer and closer uh, to his, his last days with the disciples, he's putting, he's emphasizing a few things that are so important for him and so important for us uh, as the, the church of God. We want to be great, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, you want to be great? Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, we want to be great, uh, and, but we want to be great for Him. And, uh, and we want people to know how great our God is. And, and, so, uh, and that's what we're talking about this morning. We need to understand what true greatness is. Mark chapter 9, beginning in verse 30, it says, Then they, this is Jesus and His disciples, they departed from there and passed through Galilee. And he did not want anyone to know it, for he taught his disciples and said to them, The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And after he is killed, he will rise the third day. But they did not understand this saying and were afraid to ask him. It kind of seems like deja vu. He said this before, and the same thing has happened. Verse 33, we pick up, it says, Then he came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, uh, what was it you disputed among yourselves on the road? So he's talking to the disciples here. But they kept silent, for on the road they disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. And now John answered him saying, Teacher, we saw someone who does not follow us, casting out demons in your name. And we for forbade him because he does not follow us. But Jesus said, do not forbid him, for no one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterwards speak evil of me. For he who is not against us is on our side. And whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name because you belong to Christ, assuredly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. You know, there are a lot of books, more than I realize, books out there about being great. There's a lot in the, I guess, the self-help, self-encouragement type section out there. There's a lot of even Christian books that, that deal with being great, either in the title or, or in the subtitle there. There's uh, The Secret of Greatness. There's uh, uh, Catching Greatness. There's uh, Going from Good to Great. That's talking about don't just settle for good, but, uh, but, but want to be, be great. There's a a lot of things out there uh, 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 about greatness and a lot of ideas uh, about greatness. But if we want to know what true greatness is, then I think we ought to listen to somebody who truly is great. And what Jesus does here, in verse 35, Jesus, 
He doesn't redefine greatness. He's the one that says what greatness is. We've tried to redefine it into something else. But this is what Jesus said there in verse 35. Said to the disciples, and it's recorded for us. This is for us. He says, if anyone desires to be first, if anyone desires to be great, if anyone desires to be of most importance, he says, he shall be last of all and servant of all. You see, there's only room for one great. And it's not us. It's not us. We've been singing about him this morning. It is him. He is the one that is truly great. And see, in our calling, is not for us to become great. It's not for us to, to, to fit into the world's mold of great. It's not for us to seek greatness, to catch greatness, to pursue greatness. Our calling is to proclaim how great thou art. He's the one that is great. And here, he's the one that defines what true greatness is. True greatness is, is when we put ourselves last, when we are last of all, and we dedicate ourselves to be the servant of all. So here you go. He's defining greatness here. And someone who is great, first of all, they serve in light of the cross. True servants, true greatness serves in the light of the cross. Back in verse 30, that's what's going on here. And that's what kind of leads into what he has to say there in verse 35 is this, this encounter, this, this dialogue that he has with the disciples. Look in verse 30, it says, Then they departed from there and passed through Galilee. And he did not want anyone to know it, for he taught his disciples and said to them, The Son of Man. Now who's the Son of Man? That's Jesus, all right? If you don't know the answer, just say Jesus, all right? <laughs> it's Jesus. The, the Son of Man is Jesus. He's talking about himself. He's saying the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and after he is killed, he will rise the third day. Just in the last two chapters, that's the third time he's told the disciples this. It says in verse 32, it says, They did not understand this saying and were afraid to ask of him. You see, he's talking about the cross here. He's talking about what has happened. Matter of fact, this is the, the last days of his time. That maybe the last day that he's spending in, in Galilee. In chapter 10, he is leaving Galilee on his way to Judea. In Judea is where Jerusalem is. And on that Sunday, the, the coming Sunday, after he's talking to the disciples here, the next Sunday, he's going to be riding that donkey into the the, the the streets of Jerusalem, and by the end of that week, by that Friday, he's going to be hanging on the cross to die. And so he's telling them, this, this, this is coming. You see, we, we serve in light of the cross, in light of, first of all, the glory of the cross. The glory of the cross. This is, this is not something that, that needs to be avoided. This is something that, that had to happen. And it is the most glorious thing for us that ever could happen. You see, we, we, when Jesus, the cross, this, the cross lets us know who truly is great. You see, Jesus didn't look down upon us and see great potential within us and say, wow, I sure would like them in my kingdom. Look at how they could really be used by me. They've got potential. They've got abilities. They've got a, no, that is not the truth of the cross. The cross is not that he looked down and saw us as something worthy and decided he would make this great sacrifice for us because we were so worthy. 
No, we are completely unworthy. We are rebels at heart. We spit in the face of God. We choose our own way. Every one of us are like sheep that run away from the shepherd trying to go our own way. And yet Jesus loves us so much. He came and he embraced the cross and he took the cross and he took our punishment and said, I want them. I know they're rebels. I know they're, they're sinful. I know they're, they're wicked in their heart, but I want to redeem them. Uh, and he embraced the cross and paid the price for such a wretch as I. That is glorious. <laughs> that is glorious. The glory of the cross. Never lose life. He is the one that is great. I am not. And the great one is willing to die for me. That's why we're singing it earlier, the Revelation song. There's going to be a new song that's going to be sung in heaven. And it's not just going to be worthy as the one on the throne. It's going to be worthy as the Lamb who died for me. Worthy is the Lamb. And everything we do, this is the idea. Our our, we're not to seek our own greatness. We're to seek the glory of the Lamb who died on the cross for us. There's the glory of the cross and there's the demand of the cross. Because He did this for us, He deserves everything. He was betrayed for us. Willingly betrayed. He could have proved the false accusations. He could have avoided all of that. But he willingly gave himself to be tried, to be beaten, to be nailed to a cross and crucified for us. They killed him. And after he was killed, he rose on the third day to bring to us the victory, to bring to us new life, to bring to us forgiveness and redemption. And that because he did all that for us, he deserves everything. That's why we bow before him. Yes, as the Lord of lords and King of kings, but as the Savior who was sacrificed for us, we, we, we humbly and willingly bow before him. That's why we love him. That's why we adore him. That's why we worship him. That's why we obey him. That's why we surrender everything to him. That's why we give him a blank check and said, you fill it in, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. That's the demand of the cross. All too often our Christian lives are spent saying, God bless me, God bless me, God bless me. When our Christian lives ought to be spent, what can I do to bless you? I will do anything for you. I don't care what it is. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. A true servant serves in light of the cross True servant also serves himself last. That's what he's talking about with these disciples. Verse 33, when they get to Capernaum and they were in the house there, it says when he was in the house, he asked them, asked those disciples that were with him, he says, what was it you disputed among yourselves on the road? But they kept silent. They didn't answer. They just kind of pretended like they didn't hear it, I guess. For on the road they disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. And he sat down. He knew. He knew. He didn't hear them. He knew. Because of what he says here, he says, He called the twelve and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. You see, our flesh desires first place. 
That's, that's what's going on with these disciples. First of all, they're, they're ignoring. The, he just said, he just said, I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be betrayed and I'm going to be killed. And they're not even listening to him. They're arguing about who's going to be first. Who's going to be sitting at the right hand when his kingdom comes? Who's the greatest among them? Who's the best? They're arguing about that. They're discussing that and ignoring the cross. Let me tell you, any, anything in our lives that leads us to ignore the cross needs to go. A true servant serves in light of the cross. And because we're in light of the cross, we put ourselves last. But that is a war. That is a battle because flesh desires first place. It did in them and it does in us well. And even, even here, notice it says they kept silent. Why did they keep silent? Because they knew they were wrong and still wanted themselves to look better. Okay? <laughs> that, that's so much like us. Listen, we've got to learn to, to die to ourselves. This is the real us. And that's the, the problem within the church today. The why the, the church is not great today is we've got a misconception of greatness and we're arguing about which one of our ministries is going to be. We're doing everything we can to make ourselves and our ministries great and we're not following God's prescription for greatness here. See, true greatness and a great servant is one who serves self last. Flesh desires first place, but flesh deserves last place. Or really, flesh deserves no place. That's why our flesh must die. That's why these trials that we go through in life, why God compares them to the refiner's fire that brings up the dross. The dross is not just the bad things we do. The dross is the root of those bad things, with this, which is our flesh, and it needs to be removed. And we've got to learn to die to ourselves. Jesus alone deserves first place in our life. As a matter of fact, not just first place. He, he should be the only one in our life. Everything should flow out of our relationship with God. He shouldn't be, it shouldn't just be God, family, and, and church, and, and those things. Our family should flow out of the fact that God is the one that matters. And we should be the, the husband God wants us to be, and the father God wants us to be, and, and, and for you women, the wife that God wants you to be, and the mother God wants you to be, and the grandmother that God wants you to be. And, and so that, and it should flow out of, out of that relationship with God that we're doing it because this is what Jesus wants us to do. And we're not just doing it because it's, it makes things easier on us, but we're doing it because it honors and glorifies Him. Flesh deserves no place. This idea of, of a servant, this word for serving here, it means to take the place of the, of the lowest. That you say, okay, who's the lowest? I'm going to get beneath them and serve them. And but literally, the, the, the diakonos, that's the word that is used here. It's where we get the word deacon. And, and all. Basically, their, their motto was, was basically this, is what can I do for you at your command? At your command. And then notice what he says here. We, we serve God, but that isn't how he defines 
the servant. In verse 35, it says, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of God. Is that what he says? No, he just says, last of all and servant of all. You see, if you say that, God, that you're a servant of God and you're not willing to serve everyone, you're not a servant of God. You're serving yourself. You're serving yourself. If you're not willing to get beneath the lowest, if you're not willing to go to the lowest and wash their feet and serve them, then you're not doing the greatest thing and you're not serving the greatest one. A servant of all. He serves self last. Or really doesn't serve self at all. And thirdly, serves with no expectations. Let me just quickly run through these last few passages here. He talks about the child there in, in verse 36 and 37. It says he, he says he took a little child. He set him in the midst of them. This little child apparently is, is a, for him to take him and put him, it's a very young child. You know, probably one that couldn't stand on their own. It's not he brought a, you know, an eight-year-old boy in there or something like that. This is a very young child that he brings, this little child. He takes him in his arms and he says to them, whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. There's a lot that he's talking about here, but let me just put it this way. You, we, we should be serving with no expectations. That means we love those who can't love back. He takes this little child, which is unable to do anything to help him, unable to do anything to help anyone around there. All this little child does is need help. And he says, serve him. Serve people who can't love you back, who cannot return your love. We need to hear this. Listen, there, there are people, and, and I've heard, I've heard, read the books and, and all that and, and read about, you know, different types of personalities and different types of people. You probably heard that too and, and talks about even in ministry, it tells preachers stuff, watch out for those who want to drain the life out of you and stuff like that, that want to take all your time and, and, and do all that and avoid those people and stuff. And there's some preachers that are out there that think that, you know, well, they'll just come in and preach and nobody can approach them and get around them and stuff. And they'll, they'll go back off and they'll just kind of make their appearance with their security around them. And I, and I know that there, there may be people that want to harm those folks, and you've got to be cautious about something. But Jesus do, doesn't say here, well, just, just serve those who can benefit you. Just serve those who reach a certain level. No, he says, serve everybody. And we're talking about those who drain us. What is our life for? Is our life not, get, does God not give us this life here to be spent for others? Did Jesus not say that he came to this world to give his life a ransom for many? That that's what it means to, to serve like him is to give our lives for others? What really matters? You know, the people that Jesus was around they were hard people. Not all the people that were around him, you know, had it all up here, you know. There were those that were the outcast of society. There were those that were known as users. 
that had a history of using people. Yet Jesus went right to them and gave of himself. With those that had nothing at all to offer him. Matter of fact, they gave his ministry a bad reputation because of who he ministered to. But it didn't matter to him. And if you know this Jesus, if you're a born-again believer, this Jesus lives in you. And if we're not serving and ministering like Jesus wants us to, then we're hindering his work through us. You see, we not only love those who can't love us back, but we need to love him to them. Let me, let me explain what I mean by that. Loving him to them means that we take him to them. We're not taking them to him. We're, we're taking him to them. We're taking, or, or we're not. They're, they're, he's the one that they, they need to see. See, we, we don't just serve for him, but we, it's him serving through us. And whenever we go, whenever we love, whenever we sacrifice, it's Jesus doing it through us, for them. And we need to quit listening to us and start listening to him and serve without any expectations. And then finally, he serves with others. A true servant serves with others. This last verse here, uh, three verses or four verses, he says, uh, John answered him. And, and usually John is one of the disciples. We, we criticize Peter and we criticize uh, Luke and, and what he's doing and stuff. But here comes John. And John answered him and says, Teacher, we saw someone who does not follow us casting out demons in your name. And we forbade him because he does not follow us. But Jesus said, Do not forbid him, for no one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterwards speak evil of me. For he who is not against us is on our side. And whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name because you belong to Christ, assuredly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. And by the way, our reward is him. See, it's not my ministry. And it's not your ministry. Whatever it is, it's not your class. It's not my class. It's not my church. It's not your church. It's not our church. It's his. John here is talking about it. He says, uh, he says, teacher, we saw someone who does not follow us. He didn't say doesn't follow you. He said doesn't follow us. John's kind of taking ownership here, isn't he? Maybe he'll be recognized the greatest. Doesn't follow us. And then later on he says, and we for, forbade him because he does not follow us. It's not about us. It's about him. Amen? It's, it's about him. It's not our ministry. Is it okay? Is it okay if you serve and nobody ever knows about that? Or do you need to make sure somebody knows? If you tell somebody about Jesus, is it okay if nobody ever hears about that? If you, if you do something behind the scenes, is it okay if nobody even, or is it even okay if you do something and somebody else gets the credit for it? Is that okay with you or, or is it your ministry? You've got to be recognized. You've got to let people know how serious you are about following Christ. No, it's not our ministry. It's not my ministry. By the way, this guy that's casting out demons earlier, the disciples couldn't do it. Someone was brought to them, they couldn't do it. And here's somebody else doing it. It kind of made them mad. <laughs> so they had to shut it down, right? No, it's not my ministry. Whose ministry is it? It's his ministry. 
And anything God does through us is by His grace and by His mercy. You see, God doesn't use beautiful vessels. God uses broken vessels. He's the beauty, not us. And I'm glad He does. Because you're looking at one broken down and beat up vessel. And God chooses to use. Matter of fact, sometimes God breaks the vessel before he uses it. Oftentimes. He had to do it with Peter. He had to do it with Paul. He had to do it with these disciples. Paul said it's. God uses the base things of this world. God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise that it may never be about us. It is always about the glory of God because it's His ministry. May people in this community, I pray they never talk about the great church or the great staff or God forbid the great pastor Hope all this community can talk about is the great God. It is all about Him. There's only one room for one great one. And it's not us. Will you bow before Him? Surrender and in service. And give Him the glory that He deserves. This is Doug Ferris, and I'm blessed to be the pastor here at Underwood Baptist Church. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. It's our prayer that you'll do more than listen to the sermon or gather religious information. We want you to encounter God, and we pray that He will impact your life. If you'd like to contact us for any reason, please go to our website at underwoodbaptist.org. All our contact information is there, and we look forward to hearing from you. I hope you are blessed by today's message.